What up, bros? What up, bros? And welcome to Brock Beats World. When it's Brown Beats World, your boy Beats World Funcast. I'm Siege. I am Tony Curtis. How's it going, bro? Uh, it's you know, honestly, it's going pretty okay. Um, things are things are things. You know, like things in reality, things. I feel like things could be worse. Things could be better. I'm, I'm, I'm dealing. I'm healing. I'm doing what I can. <laughs> I feel like that's the best any adult can hope for at this point. <laughs> any Pretty millennial much. adult can hope for. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll say this because it was not my homework, but I watched the Super Mario Brothers movie. Yeah. And in it, like no real spoilers, but in it, there's a character called Lumily who's um it's like the blue star at the end of mario's galaxy and anyway the whole point of that character is just like a very sweet looking character but it says all these really like almost nihilistic things Love it. <laughs> like the only hope left is the sweet nihil uh the sweet hope of death like, like i don't know you know what i relate i the like sweet release of death yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's all, everyone in the movie keeps looking at it like, what is this dude's problem? But it's just so happily nihilistic. And to that point, really quickly, and I want to say, keep this in. The other day, um, my partner and I were watching CNN, and they were like, new roaming black hole throughout the galaxy. <laughs> and I literally looked at him, and I was like, you know what? <laughs> Either commit to the apocalypse or <laughs> tired of this blue ball in me with the yeah. end of the world. Like, <laughs> just bring it on already yeah. or don't say anything else to me. <laughs> I love the idea that as millennials, that life has just jerked us around so much that, like, if an alien's like force sh sh ship showed up Independence Day style and they're like, hey guys, we're, you know, we're done for, it's almost just like this. Finally, someone, <laughs> someone just like putting the brakes on this nonsense. It was funny too because when you were talking about that star and the sweet release of death, I couldn't help but think of to bring it back to Boy Meets World. Daniel Fishel on the podcast talking about how nice it would just be to get some deep rest, like of death, <laughs> just be like it. Just seems like I get to sleep. Exactly. <laughs> it just sounds wonderful. Exactly. As so, someone uh, who hasn't gotten any sleep this week, oh my, I I, I agree. Yeah, I just okay. this. Oh, what a great nap. <laughs> <laughs> so Maybe no one guys... dies. Everyone just gets so tired. They're just like, I'm done. Uh, there are plenty of times where I, I tell people all the time, and this is this is all kind of like echoing what we're about to talk about. I'll say for me in a very, like, uh, what my grandmother had been sick for years. Mm. And then one day she called me and she was like, yeah, I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> I'm, I'm done. Uh... I did it. And it was like, no, nothing about it was like morose. It was very much like, a, yeah, you know, I'm tired. And uh, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm good. <laughs> and I was like, okay, if that's it. Two weeks later, she was gone. And it was just very much just like, I feel a, uh, in a lot of ways that that's just what life is. At a certain point, you're like, you know what? I think I'm good. <laughs> like, you know what? That's 
I, and again, this does have a lot to do with the episode we're about to watch, but there is so many stories about things like that where someone's just kind of mentally decides that they don't want to fight anymore and they end up dying shortly after. Yeah. And it just makes me wonder how much like the internal mental fight plays a part in like wanting to be alive, how how much that plays a part in actually being alive. Well, I think um, about like Betty White, for example, how yeah. like technically she had already lived a hundred years. Like everyone's like, oh, she died like right before her hundredth birthday. It's like, no, actually, if you look at like if you include like um what is it called leap years and all this other stuff, she had already made it to a hundred years. Yeah. It's and I feel like she was just you know I did it. I did it for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. So also just like, can you imagine just like, uh, I get so bored of routines, but just like a hundred <laughs> years of just like January, February, March, <laughs> April. I get it. I get it. It's the same thing. A hundred times. They've been coming out with all those AI progressions of, I don't know if you've seen like the history of like, I don't know, a car or the history of fashion. It's just like oh, yeah. AI will show you throughout. And it's like one fell clip and it just kind of all blends together and i was like i feel like that's what like aging is i feel like that's what immortality would be like like you would just look at someone and they're just like morphing in front of your eyes <laughs> you know because that's what time yeah. is it's just like it just condenses everything i don't know <laughs> look at the conversations we're starting this episode with bro and you know what it's relevant it's it's relevant, relevant. that's the that's the real part it's relevant uh and you know i also wanted to say that i started this off like very fun loving and happy because i am so angry at this episode i am so, I, i'm furious i, I can't wait to yes. talk about this episode yes. i am yes oh oh <laughs> this episode bro like i was watching i was i was telling you before we recorded but i just wanted to throw this in here because like usually like i start the episode I, I like to watch the episode right before we record so it's fresh yeah yeah but i told siege i was like hey i'm gonna need a few more minutes i kept pausing to take notes i could not stop myself i have so many notes and i know we're not going to get to everything but gee i just could not engage with this episode the way it wanted me to engage with it no I, I, no I boy meets world this no episode and i was like i feel like i'm doing a disservice by not like noticing some of the acting or the language or like I like I know I know what it wanted from me and I refuse to give it to it because no. because of the message of this episode and the execution of this episode I just I I'm very angry and I'm really excited to get into it are you ready to just jump in yeah let's just do it <laughs> okay let's do this. tell me about it <clears throat> Tell us about it. Shit, the season's getting dark. While a newborn struggles with life post-birth, Corey challenges Topanga self-worth. The accuracy. Accuracy. <laughs> okay. Uh, for those of you who are following along, this is season six, episode 17, Resurrection. While everyone anxiously awaits news about newborn Joshua Gabriel, Corey's continued self-absorption alienates Topanga, who now considers herself to be a full-fledged member of the Matthews family. Corey tries to reconnect with the old weird Topanga. This comes to life with the lipstick scene from season one, episode four, Corey's alternative friends. Even Eric's little friend Tommy views Joshua as his new brother. It's only when Sean returns 
and is accepted as the by the elder Matthews as family, does Corey realize where his true values lies? Okay, so for those of you who don't know, I usually collect these um, summaries of the episode from Wikipedia. It's just been like a great continued source. Um, and I feel like this, both writing and how it's explained, perfectly encaptures this episode, which is that it's all over the place. And um, it also feels like everything about this episode is ludicrous. <laughs> I cannot deal with how dark this episode and this season is. Can you imagine Friday night, right? You've worked all week. You got kids. You guys pick up a pizza. You come home. It's TGIF. Sabrina, she's up to her wacky hijinks. What's this, Urkel? He built a fun new robot. That's fun. What's going on, the boy? Before? Oh, a baby might be dying? What? <laughs> <How>? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, this I is do. how dark this thing is getting. In comparison to the landscape of the block that it was placed in, in TGIF, like, we are getting to a place where I don't even feel like this has relevancy on TGIF anymore because of how dark things are getting. I don't mind it on TGIF because we've had very special episodes, very serious episodes. My problem is this episode does not handle any of its heavy subject matters well. It does no. none <laughs> of it well. Um, it it doesn't really have a conclusion and or a point other than it, it's to me it's an episode written out of convenience it conveniently brings sean back it conveniently solves topanga and Corey's issues I, actually no solve them it just moves them along it conveniently um gives alan and amy a little bit of screen time and a little bit of um, anxiety around their newborn child, but it doesn't really touch on it at all. And they completely leave Eric out to dry and just be like, "Yeah, he's disassociating." But you know, you it be like that sometimes. Um, I, so <laughs> I couldn't, I can't. You, this is the same problem I had last week. I can't even focus on the story they're trying to tell because Corey as a character is so distracting. In the same way that like people are like, "Hey, I can't watch." How I Met Your Mother anymore because Barney as a yeah. character is just yeah. too distracting to like get into the story. That's where I feel like we're at with Corey because what this episode wants us to do is to, to go along this journey of Topanga needs to understand how to meet Corey's needs where it's like, no, that is not the main issue. Can we just get into like the actual yes. story of it? Yes. Yeah, because yes. I have okay. so much. A few things. Starting off strong. We haven't done this in a while and I apologize to all the actors who we've skipped. Listen to the Pod Meets World, they'll give you your true due. But <laughs> this is Roll Call, just to give some names. Uh, we have McNally Sagal as Dr. Taylor, uh, Michael Fairman as Dr. Markman, J.B. Gaynor as Tommy, making his return. Um, Donna Pontoroto as one of the nurses. Susan Creeman as Karen and Clarence Barnes as Paul. Uh, just want to give those guys their shout out specifically because right off the bat, I had a problem with Dr. Taylor being replaced with Dr. Markman. One, it just felt like, oh, things are getting serious. 
let's get the woman doctor out of here and bring in a, a, a male doctor so you know it's serious. That's how it felt. Did it feel that way to you? you uh, again, I, I couldn't. <laughs> I, had a, I had a hard time concentrating on things like that because I was like, oh, we're starting with Alan asking a doctor if a baby's going to die. That's how we're starting this episode. So I just, again, I, I was, I think I was paying attention to the wrong thing, but I do like that you caught that because in retrospect, I'm like, yeah, I get that. And Amy's face is just like, wait, what do you mean you're not going to be our doctor yes. anymore? Like, it mm -hmm. almost as, it's almost as if, like, Amy's like, so you're abandoning us? And the woman's doctor is like, what can I do? There's a man doctor here now. Like, and, and Well, that is how hospitals work, Siege. <laughs> I don't know. Also, so I thought about that. Like, I thought about someone, I thought about people writing in and being like, oh, well, that's how hospital works. It wouldn't be their specialty. I was like, five seconds ago, we saw a four-month-old baby just be taken out immediately out of Amy and she's walking around. So why do we have to be medically accurate when it comes to which doctor can handle Oh, this I thing? was not speaking on what kind of doctor. I was just saying the way hospitals will work, if a male doctor walks in, he automatically <laughs> is the authority. So, <laughs> That's what again, television has taught me. I don't know. Maybe too many years of Grey's Anatomy, I wanted Addison there. And I'm like, like, it just, it felt like a moment. You're right. We yeah. need more Grey's Anatomy. I need a <laughs> ghost doctor. Where is the ghost doctor to help solve this problem? Hey, you joke, but at least, like, uh, you know what? Honestly, I was thinking about this when you were talking about how dark it was. To me, I was like, oh, that's right. We're now competing with Melrose Place. And we're competing with ER. No, this is 1999. We are past that. We are in the Dawson's Creek Buffy era. Like, we are competing. You're right. We're competing with these shows that are really dramatic, with teens getting into dramatic issues. My whole thing is just, this does not belong on the same lineup as Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Again, I'm not, I, we have done so many serious episodes. And I feel like there's a world in which this dark subject matter works but the issue is that they do not land any of the planes here no like not a single one is handled correctly not a single one is handled in a way that makes me think that this is a family like like that you want to be a part of that you want your family to watch like correct like that's what i'm saying like all right and sean just... even goes as far as to say something at the end of the episode where he's just like this this is the best family in the world and i'm like is it all right because let's let, let, let's just start i'm gonna start off from like how we open up which is um joshua yeah uh and let's just because we're gonna get into Corey. i just want to talk about joshua so with Joshua, we get Alan and Amy, and I was like, okay, we're gonna get some Alan and Amy time. We're probably like we're meeting Hardly. some of the other parents in the NICU, which I was like, oh, this is actually kind of like uh, grounding a little bit, and it's yeah. like showing other families are dealing with this thing, and we just kind of skirt over everyone, and then with Alan and Amy, we get the doctor saying, the doctor being like, hey, I'm going to be a little bit real with you. I don't know what's going to happen with the kid. And again, I, I kind of went back to our previous episode. And I was like, I still feel like this episode would work better if it was actually Amy that we were worried about yeah. and not this new baby. But I will say the idea that they expanded the Matthews problem from being just the Matthews to like, oh, there's like an entire NICU that several families are in. And this is uh something that several people have to deal with. 
I kind of liked, but then we don't really go anywhere with these people. And then we get like the religious aspect brought into it. And I was like, I personally, uh, for those of you who do not know this, I am not religious in the slightest bit. However, I feel like it's disrespectful to bring religion in only when you're in a hospital or when something tragic happens. I'm not saying that it's not true to America. I'm saying that it feels disrespectful to religion and God. Like to bring God in on this episode and like, God, help me out. Make sure, you know, like they're, they're, the Matthews are religious again out of nowhere. And it's like, you see, never... <laughs> I'm, I'm confused. This is the only way America has taught me how religion <laughs> works is with thoughts and prayers. I, 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 I were you taught something different? I, I'm confused. <laughs> I just, those who practice religion, practice religion usually on a regular basis. And the idea that the Matthews are only religious when they go to the hospital is like or when I, they gaslight uh, gaslight a, a group of orphans oh yeah, or, yeah. <laughs> that, saying, there's that too it's this crazy like why are we bringing god into all of these episodes in weird ways you know what i have to say that this episode because of all the reasons you just said actually does feel the most organic to bring in a religious component um in the same way that like when people are emotionally desperate they may look for answers that they don't even fully believe in like that makes a lot more sense to me it does but i would like that moment i would the the guy who's praying mm -hmm. um over his baby and alan's like hey say a prayer for us i would have liked to that guy to have been talking to amy and for amy to be like gabriel is a biblical name and it means the one who god protects and we have like this whole thing where it makes sense. It makes narrative sense for them to now bring religion into it. Cause you have someone right over there um, with a religious book like that, like give me narrative sense. Or give me an arc, give me Alan kind of like, I, I'm not going to participate in this religion. I, my baby is dying. How dare God do this to me kind of thing. And then have an arc where he comes to terms with it. Give me Mel Gibson's and signs. Get, let, <laughs> show me that arc. You know? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Like, have it to where if you're going to bring religion into this, into a show that's not religious, then give me a reason for there to be some kind of religious call out but sure, it's, sure. it just feels shoehorned in it feels very convenient and i was just angry at it as someone who's not religious i was like i just feel like you're disrespecting religion and i also feel like there's a story here that you're not telling so that's how i felt about it how it's about so interesting yeah i you know again just because of the way religion has always just kind of seeped into media and just throughout my experience as an American, this idea of like religion only coming up when it's convenient is not like a foreign idea for me. So I, I don't know. <laughs> this just seemed like more the same. I, I can't. I mean, you're not wrong there. I just, I, I want it more narrative structure, I guess sure. is, is what I'm saying. And then also, okay. So I was talking uh -oh. about Joshua. We never see Morgan. Like the thing they, at one point in time, later on, they go family only. I'm like, Morgan's sitting right there. Hasn't been to see the baby once. Mm -hmm. Um, if we're going to be honest, Eric 
doesn't have any one-on-one time with the baby. Like it's they Corey, Topanga, and Sean each have more time with Joshua, screen time than Joshua, than any other people who have been at the hospital waiting. Like, well, why can't we see um Morgan and Feeney leaving the NICU saying, sure. hey, we just left. They have that line where Amy is like, hey, they think family should be talking to him. We just left him. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like no, I, I, it's not gonna happen because they waste too much time on other Corey centered bullshit. This whole episode should have just been about the one story. Like Boy Meets World is strongest, especially when they're doing a very special episode. I, I think about um, uh, the Dangerous Secret, the one with uh, when Sean was seeing yes. the girl who was abused by yes. her father. There was no B story. They were like, hey, this is yeah. I mean, you even think about um. Uh, the cherry bomb episode there's no b story they're like hey if we're gonna do a special episode let's devote the full 22 minutes to this one story and when they try to do heavy lifting and split it up between multiple storylines it always falls flat Corey is we have to talk about Corey to pick i and like it, and it you, is you so, can't hold it anymore <laughs> i cannot hold it in anymore we get okay to, okay so we're introduced to joshua we go to the waiting room and we get right back into Corey and to bullshit this motherfucker is still bringing up valentine's day he's still not taking things seriously and he goes as far as to say to topanga you need to make me feel better about all of this absolutely and it, it's okay. so frustrating oh uh, it's real fast because Corey, what the show is trying to say is that hey Corey needs to feel as though Topanga is there with him emotionally meeting him you know showing empathy and understanding what his needs are when even he is having a hard time articulating it because he's so upset that's what the show wants us to believe but what the show actually does is say hey Topanga Corey is now uncomfortable now that he has to get out of the bubble of his own self when he has to focus on anything other than himself and face any trauma you, as part of his codependency, need to make him feel immediately better. And if you can't be the pixie dream, the manic pixie dream girl that you originally were for him and his imagination when they first met, then you are failing as his partner and you need to come through for him. And I'm just watching this episode like, wait, what? For real? That's I need That's you to stop. It? I need you to stop because I have to interject. I have to interject. Please, yeah. Hey, no, in no way am I disagreeing. I'm just, I want to go somewhere. First of all, uh, as you said, Corey says, all I need you to make it right. And it's just like that is that's above me. I don't, I don't know uh how to do that. But um, he very right, he's like, if you hold my hand, it'll make me feel better. And I want like that that beginning scene is so important, and and I want to talk about this because um I had paused the scene and I asked my partner to come in to watch it because my partner and I have had very similar situations to where when things are really stressful in his life, he will focus completely on us. Like, doesn't matter what it is, there could be so many things going on, but when he's stressed, our relationship becomes the most important thing to him. And I don't mean like, oh, I am valued. I mean, like, he's like, are we on the same wavelength? Like, how, like, you you did this thing the other day that was, like, really bothering me. Can we talk about that for 10 minutes? And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, you have now used me as a proxy. Like, there are lots of things that he needs to 
talk about in therapy and he'll come out and be like i spent my entire therapy session talking about us and i'm like why you have major life events that you should be talking to your therapist about but you want to talk to me about those life events in instead and which is why you prioritize us and i get it i get and i asked him about it he was like well what it is like specifically when Corey was like take my hand because my partner says that all the time he was like what it is is you recharge me you help me get through it and i know that if we're good then things will be okay and i was like i appreciate that and i think that that's really important and as a partner I want to be that for you. However, as Topanga says, and I wrote it down verbatim, I don't like when you use us to hide from the rest of life. Yeah. And I was like, that is, it's so important. And I feel like, I feel like someone's wife said this. And this was someone, Mm -hmm. like, this is one of those writers being like, let me explain to you why you're wrong. Yeah. And I just, the entire time, I was like, but she's not wrong. And this has to be dealt with and talked about. There are can, I, so- can I, go ahead. Yeah, I just want to, because there is actually scientific research that shows that um, when people are experiencing anxiety or stress, if they have a partner who holds their hand or rubs their back, that there's a, a significant decrease in stress levels. Like there is evidence to that. But the the problem is, is that that's not what this episode is about because Corey's real need is not for Topanga to give him emotional support. That's not what's it's being asked. And, and, and the frustrating thing for me is that we have been having this conversation for a while now about how Topanga is just a completely different person than what she started. And the show chooses this yes, moment... But- to actually bring it up. It's not in the way where it's like, hey, Topanga, you've lost a sense of yourself. Get to know yourself better so that you can better yourself better so that you can have development for you. Get to know yourself outside of Corey to reconnect with those quirks that made you you. It has nothing to do with that. You need to become a different person to make Corey better. If you've moved on, if you've matured past that, you need to regress to make your boyfriend more comfortable. And that's the thing that's so frustrating. It's like, if you're gonna bring up Topanga changing, why not have it be about Topanga? It's not, it's just about Corey. Yeah, that's, a, that, thank you, perfectly said. And what I want other people to understand is there's a difference between support and distraction. And it's not that he needs Topanga's support, it's that he's using Topanga as a distraction. He's using Topanga as a supplement from actually dealing with his own emotions, his own anxiety, and his his obsessiveness about their relationship and where they're at. Again, for me, it's this idea, and and a little bit, I can, again, I'm totally reading into it. That's what we do here. Yes, it's deeper than it's actually supposed (laughs) to be on page. But in reality, Corey's obsession with making them go back to who they were is guilt it's guilt over last year this time last year i cheated on you and in order to make that go away i need you to go along with me of just moving past it 
Let's like we we're gonna pretend like that didn't happen. Let's just go back to who we were. You know what? That's funny. I felt that last episode, but I didn't feel that so much this episode. I felt like what they were trying to do was preach this idea that Corey is trying to go back to a time where things were simpler when they were younger. Again, Again this wasn't but, communicated no, well, but this is what they were trying to say. I agree with you, but what I'm saying is before he made adult decisions yeah. to cheat, to get engaged when he shouldn't have, you know, like all of these things that we've seen happen, Corey wants to be like, no, let's go back to the old us, the untainted us. And it's like, who tainted us? Yeah. You know, like, like, that's what I'm trying to say. And when he was like, I don't like that you're not Topanga. And she goes, what? I was no, like, no, that's yes. okay. So right. can we talk about that? Because yes. the thing that really carried over for me from last episode was, to me, it wasn't this so much this guilt about last year, because I felt that a lot about in the last episode. But in this episode, it was more so that, okay, so last episode, we see Corey being manipulative. We see him being narcissistic. We see him just putting himself above everyone else. And then we cut to this episode where he's like, you need to make me feel better. And if you can't do that, then you're not Topanga anymore. And I'm just like, oh, okay. So we've reached the point where this guy has been allowed to act in this way for so long that in this moment of crisis, he can now manipulate Topanga at such a level where he knows that no one is going to call him out because the life of a baby hangs in the balance. So the entire time where Topanga is, again, being manipulated to meet the needs of this guy, she can't even articulate. Like when she goes to try to talk to Angela about it, she's like, she uh, can't uh, even uh, say what's gonna, happening. I know, pause, I know. I'm not, not going to talk about the Angela conversation. <laughs> I'm just saying that like she can't even articulate what Corey is doing because there didn't seem to be a language for gaslighting, manipulating, and, and, and anything like that to understand that, like, no, it's not that he needs, he has needs that aren't being met by me. It's that he is using me and he is asking me to be something for him that is not natural to me simply to make himself more comfortable. And that is actually the root problem. And it's gotten to this point now where he's like, you're not yourself anymore if you can't make me feel better. And like, that is the red flag. That's the thing that needs to be discussed and doesn't get any actual attention. Okay, so I like you said this last episode, but this episode, you're like, these are kind of like two parts. And I, I, I'm not going to apologize. I could not separate his behavior from last episode into this episode because yep. to be fair, they bleed into each other. Just like he's still talking about what had happened. It's just like, no, that Corey still exists in this episode. And yeah. in this episode, it is very much like a life is getting hard. Again, some of it in my control, some of it not. And I'm going to use you as a distraction, but also I'm not going to use us as a distraction and try to work on myself and how I contributed to where we're at as a couple. Instead, I'm going to tell you to fix it and make it better. And all the work needs to come from your end, is what he says. And the idea of him saying, you're not that manic pixie dream girl that you used to be. And Topanga being taken aback, I was like, okay. For a second, I was like, all right, we're going to give Topanga a moment to talk no. about how she doesn't feel. She goes, I don't know how to get back to being that person. And I was like, okay, we're opening the door here of Topanga being like, yo, I don't even know how far I've fallen from this. 
I used to be a very optimistic person. I used to be very one with nature. I used to be someone who looked on the bright side of things and could be there. But after, again, after my parents um, moved to another state and I gave up Yale to be engaged and my boyfriend slash fiance cheated on me and all of, and college, by the way, I'm just in college, like in general, yeah. and I'm growing up. I don't know who I am anymore. And I need help getting back to that place or finding some new balance of who Topanga used to be and who Topanga is now. That's a great storyline. And instead, we steamroll right over all of that. <laughs> well, the big problem with it is that it's lazy writing. Because what it does is, uh, like, when Topanga was talking about, like, season one Topanga and giving that poem, it felt as far removed as the actress Danielle Fischel reflecting on filming the episode. Like, that's how far removed adult Topanga is from young Topanga. And that has everything to do with how she was written. And to put that on Topanga like losing her sense of self versus the fact that the show purposefully stripped her of everything quirky about her to make her a better dream girl for Corey. It just, to me, like, I just have like, I'm like, fuck this episode for treating Topanga this way. Uh, Angela, the scene with Angela, she goes, you're handling it very maturely. And that's not a compliment. And I was like, okay, so now we have Topanga's best friend saying, hey, you need to be his peace. You need to be there for him. Corey needs you right now. And it's just like, or hear me out, Topanga's family, who, by the way, as we've seen last episode and this episode, Topanga's really latching on to the Matthews as her own family. Yeah. And as far as she's concerned, her own family is in peril and someone is in the hospital. And by the way, she just also went to the hospital for chat. So she also could just be like, yo, there's a lot of health issues and death and mortality happening right now. And it's bumming me out. Again, you know, like it's yeah. a lot of stress. And instead of her friend being like, hey, how are you? They're like, mm, you're handling it a little too maturely right now. Your fiance needs you to be the quirky girl you used to be. That's yeah, it was like, ah, oh, I, I, I had a really hard that. time understanding Angela. And that's why I was like, I don't think Topanga is telling the story right. I don't think she's adding in all of the components of what is happening between her and Corey for Angela to understand that it's so much more than, you know, Corey needing a break. Because here's the thing, like in the Everybody Loves Stewart episode, they go through this serious, crazy, like adult confronting thing and at the end they're like oh let's go get ice cream like there is a very natural like urge to do something that feels comfortable and childlike when you have a really extreme moment and i think it makes sense for angela to equate like oh he has a little brother that might die like it makes sense that he just needs to like ease things up and ease the tension a little bit but again topanga's not saying hey it's actually not just about that it's actually the fact that Every time that something bad happens in the world, Corey uses me as the thing that needs to keep him sane and keep the world together. And it's a lot of unhealthy pressure on our relationship for me to be the thing that keeps this boy stable. Like that, that's not being communicated at all. 
It's not. Well, so like, it's crazy because you and I can see it. It's like it's there, yeah. but it's not being said. Like this idea of like, without you, all he has is reality, and that's saying like, without without you, Topanga, all Corey has is the real world, and that's scary and it's heavy. But again, that puts everything on Topanga, and it's yeah. like, that's that's not like instant like the the thing that should be communicated explored talked about whatever is this idea of to as you said topanga being like what if i don't want to be that person yeah what if i'm going through my own stresses what if i need to take time for me like we can go through this together but i can't be the only one carrying this load it's not fair to me as a person and that's I think that's what you it's and the I codependency just... that's yeah. making her feel uncomfortable. It's Corey's codependency that's reaching feverish points. And again, because no one has called him out on this issue and all of these smaller events leading up to it, now that Joshua's life hangs in the balance, there's too many things at stake to call him out now. So we're just going to make him comfortable until we get through the situation and then things will go back to normal, which is this, which is more of this. As you said, it's so funny because what you're saying is it's not it's not this incident, it's the pattern. Yes. And Topanga's noticing a pattern. And like what's funny is Danielle plays it very much like a, oh, this is a bigger problem. Yeah. <laughs> like she like like the realization in her eyes when he says these things to her, she's like, Oh, we have really big issues if this is how you feel about life and about me. Yeah. Um, but the story is like, we get, we just got to keep it moving. Uh, I want to talk about um, when Corey goes to Feeney. First of all, when he goes to Feeney and he says, do I not appreciate Topanga enough? And Feeney says, here we go into Coryland again. And I was like, I, again, to me, the writers, the characters, everyone is just over Corey at this point. They're yeah. like, we got to do this again. <laughs> like, there is a child. Not, your parents have so much going on, and you're making this all about you again. Okay. And, and, and <laughs> it's so strange the way that, like, Corey is saying, like, I'm going through this alone. Like, I, I need Topanga without Topanga. I, you know, even Angela's like, without you, he just has reality. But, like, Eric's doing this without a partner. Morgan's doing this without a partner. Like Amy and Alan are together, but they're struggling probably more than anyone. So Corey has people he can go to for support and to grieve with. Eric seems like a great person to hang out with right now. He is joking around with Tommy. Why isn't Corey getting into that dynamic and that energy? Like Eric seems like the person who could come in and help Corey feel better, but we don't even go there. Uh, I I, I want to come back to that because okay yes. no 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 I, I here's the thing I agree with you I want to come back to that um but I really I my notes I just have it in my notes it says oh yeah yeah Corey did I not raise her and bring her into my home and Feeney says who talks like that <laughs> people Please who are trying to take <laughs> ownership of another person speak like that like. He is speaking in a way that is creepy when you contextualize it with the rest of his behavior. For him to did say I, that, like, I brought her into this world, essentially. Did I not raise her 
Groom Did her. I not raise her? Groom her. <laughs> and bring her into my home? I swear, like, honestly, like, it's great that Topanga didn't hear this. Because if I heard something like that, would someone say something like that who I'm supposed to be in a relationship with who loves me, I would immediately pack my bags and get out of that house. It's just the, obviously, like, it's supposed to be a joke, but it's such a weird joke because clearly he's talking about it like a parent it's would talk about It's not supposed their child. to be a joke. It's not. Yeah. He says okay. he says it sincerely. He says I, it sincerely. I I read it as a joke because I when thinking about the show, this whole joke that Corey is actually like an eighty year old Jewish man, like that is a joke that has been played throughout. To when he said that, I thought that's what they were playing on. But the reason why the joke is weird to me in any aspect is because it's the way a parent talks about their child and if he thinks about Topanga as a child rather than his partner then that's where the root of the problem is starting to lie you know we're starting to get into the thick of it with that statement but like I said it's there's this there's this disconnect between the joke that is Cody as an 80 year old man and the reality which again Feeney is like who talks like that yeah who are, like who are you speaking about you're a 19-year-old college student. Who did you raise and what house do you have to bring them into? Like, let's just talk 19 about years old. Things. And then he says, why does she have to grow now at mm. a time like this? And I want to remind everyone, yes, this particular episode, we're talking about Josh and the baby and what's going on. But this is not, this is a two-parter. Corey felt this way before the baby came, which yeah, is why we had all these hijinks. And the idea is why does she have to grow now at a time like this is actually to me more of a bigger problem of Corey being like Topanga is growing out of the manic pixie dream girl that I knew that I was attracted to that would help me distract myself about everything else that's going on. And as I am in college and having to deal with the real world and all this other stuff, it's an inconvenience to me for her to be growing right now. I need you to stay stagnant until I figure out what I'm doing and then you have the freedom to grow. I, what I think is actually really funny about that is that I actually don't think that Topanga's growing right now. I think she's been growing, but this is the first time that Corey's ever paid enough attention to Topanga to realize, like, hey, I'm checking in, and you're. It, it's almost like that thing where you have, like, a relative that's like, isn't little Danny, like, five years old? And they're like, no, he's 12 now. And you're like, 12? Wow! Like, that is the way Corey treats Topanga. It's like, hey, I've been in my own world, and when I came back, you were suddenly different, and that's an inconvenience to me. Go back, go back, go back. Back, go back to where you were it, it's not taking into account the years of what you said her experiences moving away from her parents college the whole thing like it it doesn't take into account her growth because the show hasn't really paid any attention to it either so we as the audience are just like oh yeah the topanga from season one no no she's not that anymore exactly okay so this all of this comes to a head when, and honestly, if, if we're being honest, most of like the Topanga and Corey story come to a head. Again, when they talked about Topanga growing and Topanga being like, I don't know how to be that person anymore. All this other stuff to me is a great chance to explore Topanga being like, who am I? What type of person will I become considering all the life choices that I've made so far? And when she says, hey, Corey, 
I understand what you need and what you want, but this is serious stuff. No one can just come in and make it all better. And then they open the elevator doors and they're shod. I was, I literally gasped and I covered my mouth. <laughs> Not because Sean came back, but no. because the message of that um, moment. Yes. The yes. message of it, that it moment. Enables his behavior to continue. I mean, like any point Topanga had, any direction that we were going to go to like mutually growing together as a couple, wiped out the door. There's nobody who can just come in and make it all better. Sean enters Sean. This is a sitcom. So that kind of ding is completely set up to be like, but there is. Sean comes in. Immediately, Corey's like, hey, can you give me what I need? And Sean's like, sure, no problem. I'll yeah. uh, Everything's going to be okay. That's what you needed to hear, right? Everything's going to be okay. I'll be that person for you. And you see, again, Danielle's in the Topanga's background. Topanga's face, yeah. It's just like, wow, really? Really? Re I guess I guess my because, concerns yeah. have no real place in this world. The thing that about that that's so fucked up is because it it Topanga is now left to be the only person to sit with this discomfort because everyone's right. like, oh, Sean's back, we're happy, the baby's do whatever, like everyone's everyone's happy, right? And that Topanga has to live with the fact that she knows that in a time of crisis, Corey will pull this shit and everyone around him will enable that behavior. Absolutely. Again, that look on her face of being like, oh, so I guess my point. Just is disregarded. Because again, in reality, there is no one who can make this all go away. No. There's someone who and can distract you, but there's not someone who can make this all go away. Corey wants to live in denial. That's where he wants to be. And Topanga won't let him. She's like, you can't run away from this. You have to deal with it at some point in time. And when Sean enters the picture, Corey goes, no, I don't. And then just mm -hmm. turns to someone else to do it for him. And if that's not a terrible pattern in a relationship, I don't know what is. And the thing that's that's also so messed up about this is that Corey ends up getting his needs met. Topanga's needs, which were present last episode especially, and even in this episode of, hey, I'm trying to become family with your family. That's so important to, to me to be involved and to be connected with these people. And Corey like messes up the, the, the baby shower. He messes everything up because he needs Valentine's day dinner for him and, and all this stuff. Like these are all needs that Topanga has that aren't being addressed by anybody, especially Corey. And now that Corey feels better, he has no incentive to even try to make Topanga feel better. So it's just, again, let's just hope everything goes back to normal. And, and well, I'm sure we're going to get there and we're going to talk about it, but the idea that, like, in this moment, Sean's back, Corey's getting his needs met, Topanga doesn't have her needs met, and instead of advocating for herself in any way, she goes, well, I guess I do need to be what Corey needs. And I'm like, what happened to Topanga? Real Topanga, because she would not have done that. I, well, I don't know. What just happened to Topanga? She got gaslit. Again, she said something in, in this world, in this universe. She said, there's no one who could just come and make this all better. And the universe answered by bringing Sean back and being like, actually, look at him. Corey's fine. He just needed someone to tell him everything was going to be okay. 
you chose you chose not to be that person, so he got it elsewhere, and that's your fault, Topanga. You you look inward, and it's just I, like <laughs> I wonder how women felt watching this episode in uh, the nineties. Was it wait so, well, like was it so like this. yeah? Was it so usual of nineties sitcoms or eighties sitcoms or whatever? Had it been so ingrained with media at that point that women couldn't see that? how Corey was an asshole or like I'm just curious how the public perception was at the time or even in 1999 or whatever was this being like oh Corey's ridiculous I would be so curious to find that out uh I honestly like personally I'm I I personally I'm done with Corey this episode because a Corey deserves nothing yeah. um, <laughs> in general. I completely forgot about the baby shower of it all last yeah, week. Yeah, that's what so, I mean. It would be something different if Corey got his needs met. And then once like the, the stress of everything calmed down, he went to Topanga and he was like, you know what? I was in a really high stress situation. I can see how I acted and like, let, let's, let me spend some time like, you know, uh, trying to meet your needs. Like if there was just something like that, that would just give us some reason to empathize with Corey <laughs> oh or some reason to empathize with Corey or as you said having Angela just come up and be like hey you tried you know like 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 to Topanga being like you know I'm here for you girl something like Topanga's that's what I mean they're not really friends like they, they keep trying to convince me they're best friends but when where you're when right this like, I, I agree with you I'm saying that this is what they want us to believe and especially when like when Sean comes back Angela is all about Sean. She can't take her eyes off Sean. She's just like, oh, look at this. He's come back and he is so insightful and he's helpful. And I'm just like, I I can't with this series and the writers and just the way that they disrespect women. Like Amy just had a baby and there's yeah. literally nothing, none of Amy's baby <laughs> being <laughs> in the NICU. And she gets like maybe five minutes if i'm being gracious of screen time to yeah. even deal with it and even when we are dealing with it it's alan being like i just want to say a little prayer for all little babies and alan is the one <laughs> who we see the story around and not amy the woman who just had the baby like it's it's so upsetting and i just I, it's hard to get past the you way know? i'm telling you the way amy is treated the way topanga is treated as Morgan's main cast ignored. members, yeah, Morgan's ignored. <laughs> but I'm saying, as main cast members, for them to still at this point in the show just be tools for the men around them is so upsetting. And like, real talk, like season six, yo, like this season is a turning point for the show. And I could see why viewership would go down in the colleges. I can see why because it's not just like, like even in the past when we've had very special episodes, it was like one or two a season. Like, this was a two-parter. We're just coming off of Chet dying. We're just coming off of Everybody Loves Stuart. Like, this season is heavy with episodes. And it's just, it's too much. It's, too, I don't know. I and think, I think the issue is not that it's too heavy. It's that each of these heavy episodes are not being dealt with the way that they should be dealt with. Yeah. Like, if we think about something like, Wake up, Mr. Corey, or whatever. Like heavy episode. Wake up, little Corey. Yeah, yeah. Wake up, little Corey. 
where heavy episodes dealing with very serious subject matters, but they have a story arc, beginning, middle, end. They actually- Corey takes accountability at the end of that episode. Corey today would never, would (laughs) never stand in front of a group and take accountability. That would never happen. That's what I'm saying. Like there was lessons to be taken away. And at this point in time, it's just sitcom, right? Yeah. Because it's heavy episodes without the characters being better off because of them. Without any development. Yeah. And that's 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 where I think the exhaustion's coming from. It's like, man, you fumbled again. It's like you keep giving us all these really heavy subjects and then you just want us to move past them without any kind of catharsis or any kind of lessons for us to take away. Other than uh, why wasn't Topanga there for her man? <laughs> I, right, you know, I, the, I want to talk about Eric, but do you have anything okay, else to say about this? No, I just want to quickly say one thing about Sean before we move on to the Eric, Jack, and Rachel love it all, um, which is that the one thing I felt like this episode did right was Sean coming back because I feel like that actually Sean's arc makes total sense. He's the first one to be like, Hey, my dad just died in this hospital. I'm back here again. Like he's acknowledging it in the way that Jack isn't like he comes in with all this insight. I was trying to run away, but I realized that family is the most important thing. I'm back here. Now you're part of this family. Like you got to come through. Like it hit like, Sean landed the jump. You know what I mean? Like he did such a great job. And I feel like what they did with his character and bringing him into the situation works really well just for Sean. Absolutely. No one else's arc or journey really amounts to much. That scene with Sean, when first of all, like if if what we're saying is family, if that's what we're selling, if that's what this is about, then Sean coming back and being like, hey. I went out of town and let me tell you, don't, don't go out of town. Stay here with the people who love you. Amazing moment. Beautifully done. By the way, he's family, you know, like family only. He is family from Alan. Great. Oh my God. Perfect execution. If that, if the whole thing was just a tool to get Sean back and make Sean realize what family is um, and the importance of being there and what you miss when you're not there. Like, again, I would give this episode 10 out of 10 because they yeah. do land that. But it's it's thrown in <laughs> in the middle of all this chaos. And you're like, why is this beautiful moment surrounded by all of this nonsense? Uh, because of all of the like it's so congested. Like the like we're let's talk about Eric, uh, Rachel, and Jack, because I don't even feel like they, this storyline has a role in this episode whatsoever. Like it's so it does and it overly doesn't. conflated. It does and it doesn't. It does in the sense of Eric is also very clearly detaching himself. Yeah. Very clearly, like I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to deal with the uh idea of my baby brother being sick. I don't want to deal with my mom um being in the hospital. I don't want to deal with the fact that the two closest relationships I have outside of my family are connected with each other and I have this sense of feeling alone. Like, all of that is there and they play it as such. And I'm like, okay, we have some really interesting stuff here. But we never, we never address it. It feels like it's never addressed. This, and by the end of the episode, it's all resolved. It's all very much like, we're still cool, right, Jack? Yes, we are. And it's just like, no, these are... Eric is hurting. 
And why Eric is hurting and allowed to be around this child, I don't understand. Yeah. Tommy will always confuse me because he is a foster child who is hanging around a 19-year-old unsupervised, according to them, once a week. But it hasn't been once this week. It's been several times this week. And it's insane to me that Tommy is just allowed to be with this uh, Style. Let's Himself. let's be real. Tommy was only in this episode to give that little brother line. Like that is the only reason he was put into this episode was because someone thought that would be a cute line. They threw it in, and like, is I'm this telling you, not? I was like, I was like, this can't be a healthy attachment. Like it's it's just I don't understand. It feels neglectful for whoever's running this, um, like running the system to sure. allow this child to get so emotionally attached to Eric and be like, not just Eric, he knows everybody. He's That's like, bye, Mister Feeney, bye, Amy, bye. Like he's saying bye to everybody. He is now feeling like, oh, I'm kind of a part of this family. That's my little brother too, right? And I'm like. Eric, as cute as that is, that's actually not the healthiest thing for this that's kid to believe. Terrible. And for so, that kid when in the next weeks, when we get to the Tommy adoption episode, it's like, oh, so you're the reason why he feels this way. You're the reason why he feels like you're going to adopt him. Because why wouldn't he, with all this time you spent integrating him into your life? Absolutely. It's, it's, I, I just kept watching the scenes with Tommy being like, Who's letting this happen? Yes. Like, like, why Why are we allowing this to happen? And no one, not Mr. Feeney, who, again, should be someone who pulls Eric aside and be like, hey, I've spent years with children, children, and I'm sure Feeney has come across a foster child or a kid in the system once or twice. And someone should be like, Eric, I understand that this is helping you out, but you're sending mixed messages to this kid. Yep. There should be some story arc of Eric constantly being told, look, I understand what you're getting from this, but one day this kid will be adopted. Then what happens to you and what happens to him? You know, that's what I'm saying. This is a bigger conversation that belongs in a different episode. Like this doesn't need to be here. The one thing I will say is that, um, what I did like about Eric is Tommy says something like, Hey, are you upset because the rat's hanging out with big girl? And, Tom, and Eric's like, no, actually that's the furthest thing from my mind. I'm actually upset because I have family in the hospital. Unlike Jack, who doesn't care about anything that's going on with him and his family. He would much rather just focus on his relationship. Um, so it's just interesting that we're showing that Eric does have like, empathy he does care about other people he does care about his family in a serious way but to your point to involve tommy in all of this is just it, it's not healthy um this whole thing about eric moving uh, again i could have done without all of this storyline and just had more amy like get, get rid of the get rid of all of this storyline and just give me more amy and alan and the baby and like what's going on with her i agree with that I, I, I was only acknowledging that there is something to be said about how each brother is dealing with yeah. this kind of traumatic moment and how both of them just want to be distracted and play games uh, and hear that, you know, everything's going to be all right. I, Interesting, yeah. I do think there's something to be said there, but I would have liked for, again, if if you want to talk about it, let's give Morgan a little scene where Morgan just wants to play with her dolls and she's ignoring 
Um, or even better, Eric and Corey are trying to regress to their smaller age, and Morgan has to be like, guys, I am a kid, and I'm letting you know that this shit is real. Like, let her be the one to snap her brothers back into reality as they pine for their youth. Have the youth answer back in a, in a serious way. Like, she's clearly not having a good time either. And to your point, I mean, and again, who knows? I feel like this is just they they wanted to use Tommy, so that's why we have Tommy. But Morgan is right there. We already have a little kid who could use some attention from Eric. Yeah. So why do we need this whole other kid? It's insane. <laughs> it's like, I need to be a big brother to a kid who needs it. You're already a big brother to a kid who clearly needs attention. Like, why are you neglecting Morgan to hang out with Tommy? It's wild, bro. Like, it's she so... it's just said in the last episode, like, no one's paying attention to her. Like, my mom is forgetting about me. She had this grand declaration to make me a part of her life in a serious way right before this baby got born. We never circle back to it. We never... Yeah, I want to say, and then they forgot about, they forgot they said that. They're like, yeah. So Morgan's not dealing with it well. Anyway, and I'm just yeah. like, <laughs> I just, I, if we wanted to make this episode balanced, I think the idea of showing where each Matthews character is and how they're each dealing with it and having something like each of them kind of detaching themselves and being like, I don't want to deal with it. And Sean coming back and being like, hey, family's the most important thing right now. And then them all realizing, oh, I was actually... All of them were being avoided. And Sean comes back and being like, hey, I was avoided. Listen to me as the voice of reason. He gives that, like that Vin Diesel family speech in the middle of the emergency room and all of a sudden all the characters come back to her. That's how, how great that's is that? way to do it. Yeah. That's a good episode. That's the that's one a great who episode. thought about it. <laughs> but instead, <laughs> I just, I'm so sorry to whoever wrote this episode. I'm sure it went through many rewrites, but it's, this episode was so infuriating. It was so yeah. infuriating. And it was infuriating not because the acting's not good, and not because the individual scenes don't click. It's because when you put all of this together, especially if you put all this together season-wise, this episode just has you being like, what are we doing? What are we doing? Um, <laughs> there's, uh, there's one last thing I want to say, mm -hmm. which is the... A plot device that I actually think works really well is Eric moving out. Again, I, I don't think it belonged in this episode, but whatever it was. Um, Eric moves out, and then there's just that realization between Jack and Rachel. Because they went from like, oh, I think I like each other, to, oh, we're now living together in a relationship. We went from A to G, and just like that with Eric moving out and now what happens like that to me is very interesting for a new couple to all of a sudden be like, Oh, we're not just roommates. We're living together as a couple. Now it's a different scenario. Especially when one of those people, or if not both of those were using each other as a distraction. Yeah. So this idea of, Hey, I just want to use you as a distraction. Oh shit. I'm in an accidental relationship. That's not what I wanted. Like, like yeah. that again, uh, give me that graduate moment of just being like, oh, whoa. <laughs> like, I think I think that's important. Um, I have two more things to say about this episode. Okay. Topanga saying thank you for remembering who I was. No, no. It's just like, again, I want to burn this place down because the problem was never that Topanga. Like, 
we didn't get Topanga finding who Topanga originally was. No. We had someone waning nostalgically over a 12-year-old. Oh. Uh, and even when Topanga, like, earlier in the episode, Topanga was like, I was, like, in middle school when I said yeah. that. I'm not there anymore. <laughs> like, what are we doing? It's, the episode ends with Topanga with lipstick on her face. And it, it, the story wants us to believe that Corey just like values what's special about Topanga and wanted her to remember what's special about her. No, that's no, not that's not what, what happened. happened. Topanga didn't realize anything about herself for herself. She realized what Corey needed of her and forced herself into these shoes that didn't fit so that he could she can make him feel more comfortable. Like that's what we've been doing. And that's why there's no like resolution that feels comforting about this episode like what like she's not her old self she's never going to be her old self i doubt that we ever return to this idea of topanga being her old self again for the remainder of this series so it's like what was the point in even doing this if not to better the character that it's supposed to serve i i don't know correct and then also to, to that point i want to say for those i feel like a lot of people would be like oh but it was good call back to season one and but i was like nothing about this made me feel nostalgic i just it made me feel it this felt cheap it felt unearned the only realize how far the show has come from its glory moments you know what i mean like that those moments of like like the Corey's alternative friends one of the greatest episodes of the series to bring us back to one of the greater episodes in such a mediocre episode it's just like oh the show has kind of fallen from grace a little bit in yeah. season six do you remember who you are boy meets world like like yeah. that, like do you <laughs> <laughs> like that's what I'm saying it's just like this whole episode was like oh I, I'm mad that you're not who you used to be like. I feel like we're all mad that this show isn't what it used to be. Um, you know what's what? Just one more thing. Like the last note I have about this episode is that the show is so dark that it goes as far as to fake us out that Joshua actually dude, died. Dude, I that was, was like, like Jesus thing. Christ! Like, are you kidding me? Boy, it's like, why? What was the point of this fake out? What was the point of this fake out? It is. It's again. It's fucked up. It's so wrong Again, for you. It's Friday to... night. You just saw a cat talking in the episode before. And now we're getting a fake baby dying. Like, I, what are we what, doing? What was the point of that? What is the point of showing us this empty NICU bed, making us believe, showing us Alan looking distraught, and then be like, just kidding, you guys. Baby's fine. It's just, what? And then yeah. we end with just the other babies in the NICU. And it's like, what are you trying to say? <laughs> uh, dude, it's... Okay, wait, 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 hold on a second. Okay, so it was two of a kind, Boy Meets World, and then Sabrina. So between the Olsen twins and the talking cat came this episode. I, I'm just trying to contextualize what a Friday night with this episode would have been and the waves that you would go on emotionally to try to keep up with everything. Wow. It's, again, I I was so frustrated with this episode. Um, that's it. you have anything else you want to say about it? Nope. Again, I will, <laughs> Not say, at all. I will say this. Danielle's acting. Amazing. Uh, writer nails it. Um... 
uh, Will. Also, the comedy and kind of like that balance and all of it, really good. Tommy, you know, I, can I just say something? Because you, you're doing the same thing I'm doing, where it's like, Topanga, Sean, Will. At this point, Eric has become Will Friedel at to such a point where I subconsciously <laughs> am just calling him Will all the time when I watch the episode now, because he is not... <laughs> Eric anymore like Eric from seasons one through three feels like a different entity than the Will Friedle that I'm clearly seeing in season six and seven not that they're writing him worse but he is just merged with this character so much that it's hard to separate him well I also feel like Eric Eric is emotionally intelligent but a goofball in the later seasons and I think that that is only because of Will's performance, that we yeah. still get that emotional intelligence that's in this character. Sure. And kind of like, again, this kind of this kind of sadness behind the jokes, yeah. you know, like I just of a clown. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's very much that. And so much so that I feel like, again, with Rachel and Jack, they both just kind of look at Eric almost with pity of like being like this dude is you're so sad and you you just need to do all these things and we understand that this is what you need to do in order to take care of you but it doesn't make it it doesn't make it not sad so again i just i i I wanted to call out some of the performances because i think that the performances are done really well i i I feel really bad because i feel like even if Corey has written so poorly that even if Ben is acting well, which I think he actually is acting well in order to make Corey be the Corey that's written. It's just the problem is he's playing a character that's just unwinnable. Like he, he, no matter how he plays it, it's like, because of the way it's written, it's always going to come off and like leave a bad taste in your mouth. And even now I was like having a hard time complimenting Ben's performance because I disdain Corey so much in this episode, but I could only disdain him that much if Ben was doing a good job. So I, I don't know. But, and I, to that point, I was going to say just that. I was going to say that Cor- like Ben is doing a very convincing job of being that type of person, the mm-hmm. type of guy who is so self-centered, but also considers himself a nice guy. And I yeah. feel like it's so funny because when we started this podcast, I never thought of Corey this way, but Corey is right up there with Ross Geller and Ted Mosby. Zach and Morris. All of these. No, not Zach Morris. What I'm talking about, Zach Morris is a douche of a character. Zach oh, Morris you're saying that like nice guy yeah. who's nice actually guy. Cr- scary, yeah. Who's actually way worse than any anyone else who we would come into contact with can i ask you something about this because you're right that this is something that's on multiple television shows and i wonder is this a thing where we are seeing the reflection of the male psyche you know what i mean like like i it's happening so much and i have to even say that ingesting this media throughout my life has in so many ways now that i'm in therapy realizing like oh i ingested toxicity in a way that i thought was lemonade like i didn't realize it was bad and i thought of it because of the way media fed it to me that this behavior was normal only to sense realize that like no and when I go back and I watch shows like this, I'm reminded of how often it was presented as normal, how often these men were presented as the heroes of their story. And if you're a child ingesting that kind of content, it can be very confusing. And I wonder, is just just a cycle? The writers of Boy Meets World 
where the the disciples of the writers of Happy Days, which were the disciples of writers of vaudeville, which were you know what I mean? Like it does it just keep going back to the way that men are trying to uh, uh, write themselves into the world? I don't know. Like there's just seems no, like there's something no. interesting. To answer there. your question, yes, and most people will tell you, and most women will tell you that a lot of writers consider themselves a nice guy. And what we're seeing is we're seeing all of, there's like a whole bunch of content that people are realizing that what we're seeing and what we've been seeing for like the last few decades are all of the guys who weren't like the jocks and weren't like the, um, we're seeing all these people who weren't the quote unquote meatheads who considered themselves nice because they weren't so overtly toxic yeah write their stories but when we go back and we look we're like oh you're toxic in a completely different way yes you never hit anybody but you manipulated them you gaslit them you pressured them you um said things you had just as much misogyny like all of those things are true but you just you just did it in a different package and so therefore you thought Oh, I'm actually way better than this guy. Sure. When, and they get mad when they when they say, "Oh, girls don't like nice guys." What they mean is girls don't like the subtle misogynist. They prefer the outright open misogynist. Sure. And that's because that's a little bit more authentic. At least this person knows who he is and is owning up to it. Your version is very subtle. It's very creepy it's a lot more dangerous because it's harder to call out up until 2014 was presented as normal acceptable and even preferred behavior for men in media throughout our entire lives for the most part this was seen as like these are the guys you want to end up with these are the guys the guys that girls want to end up with is the Corey matthews of it all but to your point what we're seeing is people who are writing themselves to be nice because they want to be seen as nice versus being actually nice, which is the difference between Corey and Sean. Correct. Which is the difference between someone who wants to be appear nice and someone who's actually nice. Absolutely. Yeah. Well. <sighs> okay. Um, bra moment. What was, like, I know there's a lot, <laughs> but what was your bra moment? Um, you're not Topanga anymore. I... That was a really top contender for me. It really was. Because I knew you would probably choose that, I chose, I did not raise her and bring her into my home. Yeah. I literally, ah, ah. Oh, but also, I would like to nominate the moment where Sean just shows up. After Topanga says, there's no one who's just going to come in and make this all better. For the show to be like, enter Sean. It's just like, she didn't have a real concern. Women be crazy. Like, <laughs> I, w- I would also even throw into the running in a completely different light, not to like the bruh of the behaviors of this episode, but just the bruh of the show itself. The idea of, again, within the first three minutes of this episode starting, is our baby going to die? Is how we're starting the tone of this episode where I was just like, even as I was watching, I was like, bruh, like, are we starting that way? Like, the show is this a jump the shark episode is it that's a good question i we had four bro we need to to come up because i feel like we are getting into a portion of the series where we need to have like uh hey this was a jump the shark episode because i feel like there's going to be a bunch and i feel like i'm going to nominate this one i'm going to nominate you know what we're nominating this is this is a jumping the shark episode okay feeny taught me what 
if you could gather any lesson from this or what is it supposed to be? If a woman loves you, she will change for you. And if she doesn't change that, she she is a bad woman. If she can't change to be who you need her to be at a moment's notice, regardless of what's going on in her life, it's not the one. <laughs> you, you're, you're right that that's the lesson of this episode. Uh, I'm going to choose to go with Sean's family is is worth being around and and yeah, i guess <laughs> like I, that's what i'm gonna choose um, that was two percent of the episode the remainder of the I, episode was about my thing i am choosing be- and it's only because I, I i had to dig for it what grade are you giving this i'm gonna give this episode a d okay i i get that i i get it if i'm going to be honest and this is me being very gracious the story and everything else deserves a D for sure. I feel like the performances, I just, I just honestly, I, I was looking and I feel like specifically Danielle and Ryder do such a good job with what they do. Dan, like Ryder does a really good monologue and he lands it and I think it's great. But, and to see him like be that serious, but also get the comedic timing of, those two will grow on you and like all this other stuff. I just like, I wanted to applaud that. It did feel like when he came back, like, oh, that's what was missing from the show. Like there was some, there was like something was off. And then when he came back, it felt like, oh, okay. Things are in harmony again. Yeah. Correct. But then also Danielle's, I feel upset because I feel like Danielle's acting is of a whole other episode unto itself. And what she is like, like you and I both looked, that that moment where Sean comes and hugs Topanga and Topanga's just like mm. sorry, hugs um Corey, Corey and Topanga's just like, oh, I guess none of my concerns matter. <laughs> like like that little acting choice that she made, I just I, I'm giving it a C minus. It was a long way of saying C minus. I, I mean I love the acting. I just wish I got to see acting from characters who were actually involved with the conflict, the central conflict of the episode. Uh you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Um homework. What homework? Okay, so I mentioned this to you prior, but I had the fortune of going to an Alan Minkin concert last week. And for those who don't know who Alan Minkin is, Alan Minkin, I've been wanting to see this motherfucker live my entire <laughs> life. To me, he is the Paul McCartney of Broadway. He has okay. okay. This is the hits guy who is hits. hits after hits. This Alan Minkin, along with uh writer Howard Ashman were responsible for the music of Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin. Um, he went on to do Hercules, uh, it Tangled. Uh, uh, what's what's the one with Amy Adams? Um, oh, um, I knew it five Enchanted? Ago. Yeah, Enchanted. I, was like, I literally yeah. knew it five seconds ago that you asked me, and I was like, mm, done, we keep going. <laughs> Hunchback, yeah, Pocahontas. Like, this guy is just uh, incredible. So I was able to, he came to LA last week, and he did a just concert where he played piano and he told us stories about how he created the music for all of these movies and everything. And it was just like, I just had that moment of just feeling like a little kid. When he starts playing the chords for like Little Shop of Horrors or Little Mermaid or something like that, like I just lit up. I was grinning from ear to ear. I'm such a Broadway nerd. And like to see him was like 
a bucket list item thing. And it just made me really excited for the fact that like this new Little Mermaid's coming out. And I know he's been working with Lin-Manuel Miranda. So I'm very excited to hear the music that they've been doing. Um, I, I also got to hear a song from the new Hercules Broadway show that they're doing. Like it, it was just, it's just very cool. And this guy's on tour currently. Get a chance to see him. Cause this is like one of those, like, like it's like Tina Turner going on tour. Like you never know when you're going to get a chance to right. see a legend. And to me, this dude is like up there with like living legend status just because of the way he's influenced all of our childhood. So um, if you can't go see him live, then definitely just go back and revisit your Disney soundtracks because they are as incredible as you remember them. So that's, that's so my homework. I love it. That's, that's a really good one. And I feel like um, if not him, that definitely his music is kind of like just getting its due every day on tiktok or something i just see people fangirling over these soundtracks and yeah he he's like and a comic that's guy. what's so cool about this dude is just that you know him even if you don't know him like and i say ala mink and people are like who and then i'm like well you know the little mermaid and beauty and beast and you're like oh the greatest songs ever made for my childhood yeah for <laughs> sure i know. Uh, love it uh speaking of music um mm. i'm my homework is very similar in the sense of it's music, it's performers, it's coming together, it's looking back, but it's also completely in the opposite direction of class. It is trash TV, and I'm talking SWV and Escape. Have you seen this reality show? I have not seen this Dude, reality you show. you would love this reality show. First of all, for those of you who don't know, SWV and Escape are two really big girl bands from the 90s. Um, and the whole show's premise is these two bands wanting to come together and do a tour. They did a versus during the pandemic. Yeah. And so they wanted to come together, put on a show. Uh, and the tension is you have SWV, who's like this really class act. They're sisters with voices. Like they have the hits and the singles and all this other stuff. But then you have Escape. And Escape, <laughs> their band members... Uh, including Candy from The Real Housewives and Tiny, um, who was married to T.I. Uh, they're just, they're pure drama. Everything about them is chaotic and drama. And there's this whole storyline of um, one of the sisters from Escape stole the other sister's money. And there's like all of this chaos. But then also you have like Escape being like, we have the fans and the recognition and SWV being like, but we have the hits and the catalog and it's, it's so trash, but it's also so much fun. And so it's basically like, um, if someone were doing like a reality show of like a, a new edition tour, but yes. with women, yes. it would be this perfect. You nail head <laughs> hit it's honestly it's so much fun it's so much drama and i just feel like it the show itself really um it it was a surprise hit in the sense of you would think like oh two um groups coming together how much drama could there actually be? And it's just way more than I think anyone. Where is where is this airing? Where can I find this? I believe it's on Peacock. Uh, which okay. su is surprising me. In it, I love Peacock. I love Peacock as a streamer. Like Peacock, it's doing is great. Like, it's doing it's doing. The, I feel like it's one of those ones that like it found what it wanted to be and the niche it wanted to hit, and it's like this is what we do. And like, yeah. and I'm like, you know what? I ain't mad at it. I like it. So yeah. Well, yeah. I'm gonna turn on Peacock. I'm a 
kick off my shoes and relax my feet and watch exactly. the show rain down. I think I think you're gonna enjoy it. I think you're gonna have a really good time. So that's that's my uh for you guys. A little bit more music. So you guys have a very musical mm. weekend. Uh thank you for listening to Brown Meets World. Remember you can find us on all the places that you find your podcasts. Uh you're listening to us. So uh thank you for and continue to do so. Continue to leave us five star ratings. We appreciate you guys. Continue to Oh, and out. don't forget that you guys can leave voicemails in uh, uh on our website. You can also support us we have monthly supporters now so you can go and you can support us so that we can continue to provide you guys with the content on boy meets world that we know that you guys are looking for so please go to our website and become one of our monthly subscribers and we will give you a shout out on our podcast boom thank you guys so much and remember to dream well they should also remember to try if they're gonna remember the dream and you know what if you're dreaming and you're trying then you should do good. Do some damn good, y'all. <laughs> Later, bros. Later. <laughs> I would not condemn you for turning the episode <laughs> off early if you did. <laughs> Later, bro. When the spawn meets world.